Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you this day that you have made for us to rejoice, to be glad, to celebrate, to worship, to praise your holy name. Thank you for the house of God, the place where... The, the place of your habitation where your glory dwells, Lord, where we're able to transact with heaven. As Jacob saw the ladder that reached heaven and the angels were coming and going up and down on that ladder, Lord, and, and he says it was the house of God. So we understand that this place is holy ground. It's a special place. It's a place apart from this world where we're able to consider the heavens the works of your hands, Lord. We're able to consider the purposes for why you brought man upon the earth. And you're not a God of confusion, but you're a God of order. You're bringing our thoughts to understand your ways so that we might walk in them as a man thinks in his heart. So he becomes, Lord. And there's so many things that are being launched as missiles to the hearts of men and women upon the earth. But it's when your truth comes, Lord, that we're set free. And it's when we understand your word that we have a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We have a good seed that gives forth good fruit, Lord. So we pray this morning that your word not return void, but that it would accomplish the purpose for which you send it. We pray that in these gatherings where two or more are gathered in your name, you are here, Lord. And we feel your presence in our midst and we know that your purpose is glorious. We pray that you would use your word as a sharp double-edged sword, that it would divide between the soul and the spirit so that we might have discernment of these things and we might choose excellence like we heard on Wednesday night, oh God. We pray for your power and your goodness to be upon us constantly, Lord, that your light shines so brightly that we not dwell in darkness, Lord. Prosper your word, bless it, anoint it, and use it for our advancement, for our prosperity and growth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. There is no doubt that Isaiah 2.2 is a powerful prophetic utterance of it shall come to pass that in the last days it's the mountain of the Lord's house that will be established on top of every mountain as the highest mountain and be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Um, This this is an understanding that, that it's only in the house of God that we get clear perspective to understand so many things. And we have been touching upon Colossians 3 verse 1 where it says, if you have been raised with Christ, if, if we're in Christ, it's a position of, of higher ground, a clearer perspective. Well, when they say, let's go up, let's go up to the house of the Lord, it's in a posture raised so that we can seek the, those things which are above. We have access to think as God would have us think where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, so therefore, if we're there, set your mind on things above and not things below, not on the earth, not in a realm where there's anxiety. There's great anxiety. I I feel it every week as I walk into here, not because I'm living there, but I feel it in your lives. 
I feel it in conversations that I have. I got a phone call this week and a, man, a, a woman says, I have three jobs because my husband doesn't want to work. I have three jobs because my husband doesn't want to work and my son just had an accident last year and he has brain damage and I'm taking care of him. And the greater she got into her story, the, the more I understood that, it, you know, and, and she was calling on a secular. She says, uh, I need a lawyer, I want a divorce. And, and I know that for a fact that that, that, that puts a Band-Aid on a cancerous tumor. Um, that, that deals with a problem at a temporary, limited, you know, inch deep scenario. She needs something profound. She needs something where her son can be healed. She needs something where her marriage could be restored. She needs something where, where the transformation has to happen from those things that come from above. Um, and and I, I, ch I was challenged to, to refer her to a friend of mine or, or to another lawyer. I'm not, I'm not doing that work. Um, but, but I have the answer, and the answer for her is heaven. Will she look heaven bound? Will she look up to where there's a God of all hope, the God of all comfort? The resources of heaven are huge. Um, and, and to be uh, in the rat race here upon the earth, it says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. And, and people have challenged me over the years, and they're like, ah, oh, but, but you know something? You, you, you have to be grounded upon the earth. Well, guess what? Um, our Father who art in heaven. How about that? How, how about raising up and, and, and knowing what, what David says in Psalm 121? We touched upon it, verse 1, where he says, um, I will lift up my eyes. That my answer comes from, where, where does my help come from, he says. From whence cometh my help? How, how am I going to be able to deal with the matters upon the earth that are way too overwhelming for me to address on my own, even if I were to have the help of the companionship of mankind, I still would fall short. And he says in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. So, so that, that, that puts us on a different realm. Um, we have decided and chose higher ground. Uh, early on, I knew that my thoughts were not sufficient for me. Isaiah 55, 7, it says, let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let us return to the Lord. He will have mercy on us. He has the answer. He has the help. He has the realm of endless resources. And to our God, who will abundantly pardon. Let's, let's see what verse 6 says, please. Um, the previous verse. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call, call upon him while he is near. And so that's what I told this lady. I said, could you come Sunday at 6? Because she works on Sundays, but she's able to come this, this evening to Pastor Richie's service. And I, I want to be there when she comes because uh, I promised her that, that I would introduce her to a mighty, omnipotent God. A God that's able to carry her burdens. A, a God who offers hope at degrees that are far surpassing 
what an earthly realm could bring. And so th- th- that being so, if we, if we believe in all those things, uh, we, we don't have to sit there with confounded faces in front of the challenges of this earth. Uh, things are twisted beyond measure in a generation uh, where I, I, I come from the 1970s and 80s where things were really messed up, but not even near. It was the kiddie pool to what is taking place now uh, where they're mutilating little boys and telling them they're girls and mutilating little girls and telling them they're boys. And it's happening on our watch. It, It was horrendous to see the Nazis do experimentation surgery uh, upon the Jews, uh, trying all sorts of medical procedures to to perfect a race. Uh, And they were were bringing all matter of twisted medical insight. It was diabolical and satanic. The men who were responsible after World War II were brought to justice and, and they were killed, they were sentenced to death, they, they were sentenced to life because of their actions. And now America has decided to follow suit and imitate those men by, by taking young boys and girls and mutilating them so that they are transgender. And, and when those young boys and girls grow up, they would not have an opportunity to Uh, be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth is super satanic uh, in the design of what um, they're doing at the level of the legislator to allow um, these things to take place. But, But in the midst of all this chaos and confusion and this disorder, the anxiety is through the roof. Um, Suicide is on levels that we've never seen. It has is surpassed all previous generations. But here Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on you because the confidence, he's transferred the confidence. And this is, this is what makes young people anxious. Who is going to address my future? Who has the assurance that I'm going to have things take place. Uh, We always remind ourselves of of my son, Nick, as he was graduating from high school. He says, Dad, how do I know things will go well with me? I said, because you're an obedient son and God has promised you that things will go well with you and and he has you. Everything is gonna turn out in a glorious expression. This is what I'm telling my daughter now. She's following suit. Both Nicholas, Joshua, and Brandon have seen the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. Their confidence is not in their work, it's not in their academics, it's not in the politics, it's not in the economy, it's not in any earthly uh, fountain, but it's God's fountain. The, the, the provisions of, of God's steadfast faithfulness towards their lives. and. And as people sit there and say, well, they're they're capped off on on things going good at this level. I said, no, God is good in every season according to the need of the season. He 
he extends his provision and his protection so that we're always covered. And if you stay with your mind uh, right there, you will keep in perfect peace. That's the word prosperity. You will keep in a perfect flow of heaven's outpouring the, the mind who focuses upon you, who stayed upon you, because that's where he, he, he rests his confidence. And so I, even I was talking to Pastor Palma this week, and I said, Pastor Palma, um, 25 years ago when this church began, we weren't thinking like earthlings. This, this thing about about pursuing God and starting a church called Spring of Life, oh, way, way back when, when I was young even, um, starting out my family, my marriage with Yvette, with our young children, they were one, two, and three, my law firm, my career, my relationships on an earthly realm, we were antennas up towards heaven and, and Spring of Life has become a refuge to our family because we were thinking God stead. We were, God, we were focused upon things above. Uh, a lot of my friends would continue to move on an earthly realm, the earthly challenges, no time for God, no time for the house of God, no time to, to seek God's purpose. But, but we were thinking beyond our years in, in becoming ministers of the gospel, reaching up toward the heaven. We remember there was a time where where there was women here upon the earth that, that reached down to the depth of hell and brought out perversion, things of demons. When, when Britney Spears and Madonna kissed on national television and it, it saturated the hearts of the young people, two women kissing, we had never seen that. And, 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 and people were like, what is that? That is people that are tapped into rebellion and disobedience. And they were bringing it up and being used as vessels of the devil to impact the conscience of young girls. And that led for many other girls to follow suit in that behavior. And, and then we are, are called to, to reach up towards the heavens and bring down the wisdom of God so that when people see your life, they see the supernatural they see young people, they see men, women, marriages, and family that have tapped in to what we're talking about today, talking about the dwelling place of God. Heaven is high and hell is low. Heaven is high and hell is low. So we're reaching towards the heaven. We're reaching towards those things that are above. Our mindset is in that place that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not medication. It's not psychologists. It's not therapists. It's the presence of God. Psalm 63 is a beautiful psalm. Let it be your meditation even tonight. As you go home, let it be your homework that, that you would meditate on these scriptures uh, in a powerful way and the person who has his mindset on things above verse 6 psalm 63 verse 6 says when i'm in bed when i remember you on my bed this is where this is where we finish every night and it doesn't say when i'm on my iphone at night it's when i meditate upon you throughout the night watches 
throughout every chapter of of what takes place when I lay down my head upon my bed. Verse seven, I remember you. I meditate upon you because you have been my help. You're the source of of what I need, what's going on. When my parents can't stand each other and they're getting divorced, I don't need to stress out. I could go to God and ask for help. I could pray for my parents, for their restoration, their reconciliation, for peace to be in my home, for Jesus to be the head of the household. Therefore, in the shadows of your wings, I'll rejoice when I I feel protected by you. This is the source of of what we have. And and I I, I can't. I've I've been talking to several people. I don't understand people who say they don't need God's help. They don't need to be under the shadow of his wings. It's a treacherous place to be uh, back in the old days, they used to put a scarecrow to keep the crops from the, the, the predators, from the plagues. They, the, the birds used to come in and eat all the crops. So they had this, this thing out there that looked like a man, scarecrow. And the people would not need, not a scarecrow, but a scare demon to keep the demons away from your the place of your rest, from your home, from your room, from your house, from your home. Therefore, in that shadow of your wings, I want to rejoice, O God. Verse 8, my soul follows close behind you. I'm, I'm keeping track with my God. You're my lead. I closely follow behind. Your right hand is able to hold me up. God is is the source of my strength. I could tap into that. I have no, I said it, I said it on Wednesday night. I have no cares for life because he cares for me. I don't have a concern. I don't have a worry. I'm not not freaking out. I don't have anxiety. I, I don't have uncertainty. I have a confidence the presence of God is my strength. He's my confidence. In every, every area of my life, I could point to God as the one who holds me up. One, one guy told me, this, this prominent gentleman, he ran into me. He says, oh, you're too confident. You're too strong. You're going to fall. And I said to him, no, because God is carrying me. How could I fall when God has me in his hand? If his hand leaves me, then I'll drop. But, but I'm right there in the hands of the one who is faithful. And so that being said, in Psalm 27, verse 4, he says that one place I desire in all the earth, that one thing I've desired of the Lord, is that I'll seek to dwell in that place. So that no one could take me away from the place that reminds me constantly that God is for me and not against me. God is my defender. God is my refuge. God is my shade. All the days of my life, I want to be there to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When things are are crazy, I, I want to be here at the house of the Lord listening to where I'm supposed to be so that I receive what God has for me. I want to inquire. I always say my, my, my life is like a radar lifted up trying to figure out, God, how do you want it? Where do you want it? When do you want it? It's not about me. 
It's not a way I feel, I want, or I think. It's how God thinks. It's what God wants. There, Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, As high uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your, your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. You're, you're not doing, you're not thinking like I want you to think. That's why you have no peace. You, you have placed your confidence on a person outside of me. On, on a way, on a plan, on a strategy. I am your prosperity, says the Lord. I am your wealth. I am your refuge. And so in that confidence, as we are heavenly minded, we know the opposite. Listen to this song of how culture and, and the best of, of these songwriters Listen to what they say. Listen to the words of this song. Written in 1971 as, as, the, as the foundational prospect of, of what people were thinking. heaven that decide there's only the sky above this there's no God there's no angels there's no dwelling place and then in that imagination there's no hell below us well let me tell you something as sure as there is a heaven above us there is a hell below us and it's real and it's intense and there's a fierce battle raging. It was so real in the days of the Puritans. They, they used to greet each other in this manner. The person, first person would show up, he would say, heaven is high. And the next person would say, hell is low. And now we have abbreviated to high and hello. They used to make it a reality every day. Heaven is high, hell is low. The question of heaven and hell is not to be illustrated and defined by culture, by songs, by celebrity, by philosophy. You'll hear some people says, I want, I'd prefer to go to hell because all my friends are there. Or they'll say, hell doesn't want me because they're afraid that I'll take over. Oh, they'll have so many different sayings in regards to there is no hell, God's going to forgive everybody. Well, the Bible tells us how we're to understand hell. 
First and foremost, 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord does not want anyone to end up there. So if you describe God as an egotistical being that's dying to throw people into hell, correct your theology today because the Bible says that he's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all come to repentance. That everyone turn from their wicked way, that no one end up in that place. He's not pleased for the worst of sinners. Sometimes we think that some people deserve hell and the faster they could get there, the better. But Ezekiel 18.32 says, I have no pleasure that anyone should die, says the Lord. Therefore, turn, repent, and live. I have no pleasure in the distancing of those who die, says the Lord. Ezekiel 33.11 says, not even the wicked when they die is pleasurable to the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from his ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? When we have a, po a, a proper posture towards what the significance of hell and death are for those that are outside of Christ, it's a horrendous thought. Death was created for the devil and his angels, for those who rebelled. In 2 Peter 2.4, the Bible says, God did not spare the angels that sinned. He did not spare those angels that rebelled in heaven. I get this through your thought that he kicked out the devil and all the rebellious angels and cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains and darkness to be reserved for judgment. Hell was created for the devil and his angels and no rebellious person will be in heaven. That's not the dwelling place of the disobedient. Jude chapter one, verse six says that these angels have been um, reserved in chains. Instead of judges, you guys go to Jude chapter one, verse six, New Testament the angels who did not keep their proper domain, that rebelled away from the place that God had put them, he left their, they left their abode. They are reserved in everlasting chains in dungeons of darkness for the day of judgment. So we have the description of what's happening in hell in the captivity of those who are rebellious, those that are disobedient, those that have been sentenced outside of God's provision. Psalm 917 says that the nations who forget God will go to the same place. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. That you act like God doesn't exist, that you're a fugitive, that you're running from the God who created you. And so he's calling you back to himself. The Bible describes this as a place of torment for those who deny God and rebel against his plans. I love what the Bible says that Jesus went to do after he was crucified. In Ephesians 4, 9, it says that he descended to the lower parts of the earth. Soon as he died, he went straight to hell to ask the devil for the keys 
of life and death. And Colossians 2.15 says he disarmed the principalities. He took all the weapons of hell against them, all the, the weapons of the powers of hell. He made of them a public spectacle, triumphing over them in that place. It was a great exchange on that day. It established Christ as the king of glory, the king of king, the Lord of lords. He's over every power, principality, authority. He's sitting in that place, exalted. Matthew 12, 40 describes it like this during that time. He says, just as Jonah was three days in the belly of a, of a sea monster, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Those, that time after his crucifixion that he went down there and we see the caverns of hell in Luke 16 in verse 23. It says that in this place, being in torment in Hades, that, that word is uh, the place that's unseen, has never been seen. He lifted up his eyes talking about the rich man. It says he lifted up and saw Abraham afar and Lazarus in his bosom. This whole parable of a scene in hell should be your contemplation, your meditation. He says as he cried out, verse 24, he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water. One drop of water to cool my tongue, for I am forever tormented in these flames, in these fires. Verse 25, Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things, all the comforts and delights, and Lazarus likewise bad things, all the discomforts and distresses. But now he is comforted here in paradise while you suffer in torment. You suffer in severe agony. Verse 26, and besides all this, between us there's a great chasm. There's, a, there's been fixed a, a deep gap so that those who want to come over from here to you will not be able to and none may cross over from there to us verse 27 so the rich man said father abraham i beg you send to lazarus let my lazarus go back to my father's house verse 28 for i have five brothers in order that he might solemnly warn them and witness to them so that they will not come to this place of torment advise them to turn, to not end up where I'm ending up. Verse 29, but Abraham says, they have the scriptures given by Moses and the writings of the prophets. Let them listen to the preachers. Verse 30, he replied, no father, but if someone comes from the dead, they will repent. They will change their old ways of thinking. Verse 31, and he said to him, if they do not listen to the message of the Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. I don't, I don't know what, what the different experiences have been with people that are here, what their motivation. I know I had a great motivation when I was preached to 
to not end up in hell. Thank God. My cousin was nine years old and she pointed at my face and says, Joaquin, you're headed straight to hell. I got scared. She put the fear of God in me. I didn't want to end up in a horrific place of torment, of torture. Uh, uh, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 8 that God is going to have vengeance to those who do not know God and to those who ignore him. Those who do not obey the gospel. Those who turn an ear to not listen. What, what a horrible experience for us that are not telling people that they're headed in the wrong direction, but evermore those who after they hear do not obey. I've had people tell me, well, I think that Jesus was a Martian. I said, well, let me just, let me tell you the gospel and then you continue on thinking what you may, but at least hear the gospel and have an opportunity to repent. Have an opportunity to ask Christ to come into your heart. Have an opportunity to obey what is written in the word. The Bible says that because Noah found grace before the Lord, the whole world was condemned. And watch this. If one person hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and repents, he condemns the whole world. You and your family, you say, why doesn't my family come to the Lord? You, you have come to the Lord and you're part of your family. So that puts a high bar on everybody who does not. Yesterday I was telling a young man, you are the provision of God to your family. He's like 12 years old. If you do what's right before God, your family is in trouble. Because they're a lot older they, they have more maturity to listen to God. So if you start listening to God, you're a blessing in your family. They could see the gospel being played out in the life of a young person. And that should give them strong conviction to not ignore God. Those who ignore and refuse to obey the gospel and choose not to respond. That's who this is talking about. There's fire of vengeance upon those who do not know God and on those who do not obey. They know him, but they ignore him. They refuse to follow in line with the good news. That's what the word gospel means. The good news of our Lord. Verse 9, it says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And from the glory of his power. This is how, how do we describe this best so those whom we love don't end up there? How is it that we can communicate, that we can pray effectively? And so in that regard, we're, we're finished with, with these descriptions. My meditation is not hell. My meditation is heaven. My delight is where I'm going, not where, thank God, at one point, hell was so live and, and vivid in its description that I knew I didn't want to be there. It's an awful place. It's a horrendous place. It's a place of eternal isolation. The loneliness you feel 
on the earth is only compounded by greater lack of fellowship and company. The Bible doesn't say anything about you're going to rejoice in hell. It's going to be a life of eternal, they call it the outer darkness. The place where there's gnashing of teeth. The place where, where the fire does not consume and the worm does not die. And so the, that eternal resting place for the rebellious and disobedient is no fun. There's nothing exciting about it. But what do we have in heaven? Heaven is God's habitation. It's home where we belong. It's not only the habitation of God, it's the eternal dwelling place of those who repented and received Jesus. I used to love singing about the streets of gold. Looking forward to a time of, of being with God. 1 Kings 8.30, described in the Old Testament, when they would pray, they would say, listen to the prayer of your servant, the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. We lift up our eyes to the heaven. We pray towards that place here in heaven, which is your dwelling place. That's where you are. That's your address, oh God. When you hear, forgive and answer our prayers. From the heavens, God is listening to our cry. He's listening to our voices. I love the description there in Psalm 33, 13, where the Bible says the Lord looks down from heaven. Thank God he's looking and he sees all of us. His eyes contemplate the earth, the Bible says. He's seeking forth to show his power on behalf of those whose heart is right with him. Our meditations, our, our constant expressions have to be right before the Lord. Verse 14, from his dwelling place, he looks closely on all the inhabitants of the earth. There's, there's no way no place you can hide from God. He sees it all. He knows it all. He's, he's close to revealing these matters. For however man tries to hide from his presence, it's not going to happen. I love Psalm 26. It's, it's been my prayer throughout the pastoring of this church in verse 1. Where it says, Lord, look at how I've walked. I've put my trust upon you so I will not slip. Examine me, verse 2. From head to toe. Look at me, prove me, try my mind and my heart. Make sure it's in the right place. Uh, this, this verse, Psalm 26, 2, is Lord, take an x-ray when I used to, when I was going to high, college, I graduated from high school, I went to work with my dad at the medical office and we would take x-rays of his patients and we would develop them and we'd put these, these boxes and then shoot an x-ray and go and develop it and you could see everything on the inside. On the inside, everything looked good, but when you look at an x-ray, you see the guts 
You see the gases in the intestinal tract. You gross out. God, God is looking way past your physical outward appearance. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your thoughts. Try my mind and my heart. Verse 3. For your loving kindness is before my eyes and I have walked in your truth. You, you, you set those things in front of me that I'm supposed to keep. And, and what I tell people all the time is God is faithful in showing you his ways so that you get closer. He talks to you. He's talking to you right now. Verse 4, so that you draw closer. I have not sat with people that have their mind on other things. I'm not, I'm not competing on earthly pursuits, nor will I go with the hypocrites. I'm not going to gather with the company of twisted people, rebellious, disobedient, people that are living for an outward appearance of what's not real on the inside. Verse 5. I have hated the gathering of the evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. I'm not going to gather with those things, those people who do what does not please God. I'm, I'm going to sit with those people that, that are contemplating heaven. Psalms 119.63, David would say, my companions are those who fear you. All who keep your ways, your precepts, those are my friends. Those who, who fear God, who are answering the call of heaven. That's the company I keep. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be with my friends. Those who love God and love his word. It's powerful that God would give us an opportunity to know that he's watching for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 says, So being always filled with the confidence and the good courage of hope, always confidence and knowing that while we are at home in this body, we're not where the Lord is. He's up in heaven. But absent, verse 7, absent this body, we walk, not by, faith, uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, Upon being absent, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather, that to be absent from this body, we're going to be with the Lord. Our home is up there where God is. That's why the Bible says that we are pilgrims and strangers. We're just in the passing. This is not our eternal dwelling. The earth is a temporary journey across the landscape, getting to be more and more like the Lord. The Bible says, Revelations 21, 27, when we get there, there's not going to be any twistedness up there. There shall be by no means through the front door anything that is dirty or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who is that? You and I. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus is our mediator, our sacrifice. He's paid the price of our salvation. John 3.13 says, No one has gone up to heaven, but there is one who came down from heaven. And he, the Son of Man, who is in heaven, has described it for us this morning. He has put it on the line for us to... Go high 
and stay away from what the devil would like us to be dragged through. The Bible doesn't tell us everything we need to know about heaven, but the Bible does tell us everything we need to know while we're here on earth. You have sufficient understanding. And so I've prayed often, Deuteronomy 29, 29, Lord, um, the things I don't see, the secret things which are hidden from me, the things I do not know belong to you. Those things that are hidden belong to God. And it's only those things which are revealed that belong to me and to my children that we may do all the words that he reveals according to the Bible. Everything the Bible shows us is what we, we're to be concerned about. That which the Bible does not speak of, we're not to make up. We're not. I, I know a lot of people sit there and, and make up all manner of things. I, I don't want to be knowledgeable about things. I want to be knowledgeable about what God wants me to be knowledgeable about. This thing about being sinners and repenting and coming to Christ and receiving forgiveness and knowing that we're to consider those things that are above. Consider those things which, which God wants me to make as what I am mindful about in regards to God. Deuteronomy 26, 15. Lord, bring me in to the land that flows with milk and honey. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bring your blessing upon your people, Israel. Look at the land which you have given us. There's that, that, that geographical, territorial inheritance from God that he sworn to our forefathers that we would receive a land that flows with milk and honey. I can tell you that the peace and the joy and the satisfaction that we have from looking up, Philippians 3.20, that we're now citizens in heaven. And we here eagerly await our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. People that are not in this understanding and experience are lost. They need what we have. They need the capacity to look up and to begin to know what we know and to have what we have. When Jacob saw this place in Genesis 28, 17, he said, how awesome is this place? How amazing is what you and I have found? I, I, just, I just wonder and I'm thinking that we have such a huge responsibility as a church in Miami. For people to witness what is happening in our lives, happening in this church. Last year we said this is the place where miracles happen every day. Amen. As that woman called me this week with her disastrous sentiment and mindset, the Bible says having no hope and being without God in this world. I was like, Lord, how could... I point her to the right direction. I said, could you please come on Sunday at six? 
Can we, will there be people here who've had an experience of having a son with brain damage? Somebody who has found their hope in God. Somebody who could say, look, my son was healed and has joy and peace. She says her son is stricken with despair and sorrow ever since the accident. I wonder if her son will come to Jesus. I wonder if he will become an example of what God wants to do. Will she become an example of God meeting all her needs? When, when, I, when I see the scripture says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has called me to preach good news. He's called me to proclaim good tidings to those that are without hope and in despair and do not know how to cry up to the heavens. Each one of us that sit here in the house of God today delighting in what God has done in his goodness when I see the testimonies of how God has moved in this place, we, we have sufficient to be able to tell the world. Isaiah 61 Verse one, the spirit of the Lord is upon us. The Lord has anointed us to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent us to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captive, to open the prison gates. I wonder if God has opened prison gates to those who are captive. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, verse two, the day of vengeance of God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty in places of ashes, an oil of gladness in the place of mourning, garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, plantings of the Lord, that he might be glorified. These are those who, verse four, rebuild the old ruins and raise up former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Isn't it powerful that God has done a wonderful work in our lives? We have access to the heavens. I, I tell you, there's nothing greater than prayer on behalf of those that are seeking hope and seeking a miracle and seeking God to move mightily upon their lives. Let's stand this morning and say, Lord, turn my heart towards home. Heaven is high. It's a, it's a realm lifted up. Hell is low. Hell continues to vanquish, to continue to banish from heaven uh, souls that are going into eternity without ever having the opportunity to have what you and I have. The Bible says, do not refuse. Hebrews 12, 25. Do not refuse him who is speaking to you now. For if they did not escape who refused in the past, who were warned upon the earth, revealing God's will, how much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who is speaking from the heavens? There's, there's a singular 
laser focus on every person here from the youngest to the oldest. Man, woman, boy, and girl. The Bible says for us to pay attention to that voice that speaks from the heavens. Verse 28, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have an attitude of thanksgiving, giving God what he deserves in a service that pleases him, that's acceptable in the way we worship and we reverence our God in all. Verse 29, for he is a consuming fire. One of the verses that brought a lot of joy to my heart is John 14, 2, that it says, do not fear, do not worry for my father. In my father's house, there's many dwelling places, mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. God is counting on you having that place secured as you lift up your eyes to the heavens. And you receive what God has for you in that place. We used to sing the song, I want to tell the world what I found. I got to spread the good news around. I can't keep it inside. I can't keep it inside. Father, we thank you today for your word and the provisions of heaven, the host of which we have come to Zion, to your dwelling place. The angels worship you crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with his glory. Lord, allow us to pursue these things, Lord, and not be twisted and altered in our state to not understand the bottom line. There is a heaven above us. There is a hell below us. Heaven is glorious and hell is horrible. And so the inhabitants of the earth one day will have to live like John Lennon right now is on the other side of eternity outside of the earthly realm and I'm sure that song that he authored would be edited now that he has faced eternity. I'm sure as we stand here today that given an un, one more opportunity he would have changed the lyrics to align with your word, O oh God. So I pray that we, on this side of eternity, have the opportunity to not twist what your word says. That we might be able to celebrate what has happened, that you transferred us from darkness to light, to the glorious kingdom of your son. I pray, O oh God, that that would be the pathway for all that follow our example and footsteps, that we would leave clear understanding 
that we will take place in the company of heaven, the choirs of the angels, and your ministering spirits, oh God, that go about doing your work. Give us a glimpse of heaven that we might heal here upon the earth. Take away our anxiety and our worry and our concerns, Lord. Fill us with your hope, oh God, in the assurance of the things that are above. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would be the light that as Jacob saw the angels coming up and down the ladder, the people would see us coming in and out of the house of the Lord with greater reflection of glory in our faces. As we talk about heaven, our faces shine with radiant splendor. And then, Lord, when we talk about hell, how sorrowful our heart breaks at those who miss the opportunity to come to Jesus. Those who did not have time for church. Those who did not have time to open their Bibles. Those who scurried about social media and artificial intelligence and all the garbage that the devil brings forth to entertain and distract men. We have perfect peace whose mind and thoughts are stayed upon you, Lord. Thank you for the joy of your presence. Thank you for the deep and profound pleasure of being in your presence, oh God. Bless your people, Lord. Open the heavens over them. Cause them to receive that which our heart expects from you. Our expectation is from the Lord. Our inheritance is pleasurable and plentiful and abundant in all things, Lord, according to your riches and glory. Bless your people. Bless their finances. Bless their workplace, Lord. Bless their relationships. Heal, restore, renew, O oh God, that we might celebrate your goodness, Lord. We place our hope upon you. In Jesus' name, the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen.